Welcome to the Secret of Childhood podcast. I'm your host, Hadir. I started this podcast to take you with me on a journey of rediscovering our vibrant inner voice from childhood, now reduced to a mere whisper. Drawing from my Montessori background, together with diverse guests, I hope that we can reconnect with our inner child, and in doing so, better understand and support our children in the process. So prepare yourself for a journey that might just send shivers down your spine as we uncover the magical years of childhood. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Secret of Childhood podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Mafalda, who is the head of school at Riviera Montessori in Dubai. Mafalda has over a decade of experience working at the Maria Montessori School in London. And today, she is here to walk us through the unique offerings at Riviera Montessori School. So, Mafalda, welcome. Thank you. It's nice to have you today. Yes. <laughs> Uh, before we kick things off, I wanted to touch on a notion that I think is widely misunderstood, and that is the concept of an education for life. And, you know, Maria Montessori, when she referred to that term, she recognized that there are lots of educational models out there that are rich and with their aims and their social ends, but none of them really took account of life itself. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, I mean, you know, school and university, you know, they're concerned with the academic development of the individual to the detriment of the social, emotional, and, you know, the the holistic approach to education. You know, she put it really beautifully in The Absorbent Mind. She's like, education is like an island where, you know, people are prepared for life by being excluded from it. And so, you know, how, on that note, how is the Montessori approach different to other educational models out there? Well, that's a great question. Thank you so much, Adir. <laughs> it's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So I think Montessori method is, is is a very unique and very special method. Like you say, there is many methods of education. And I think more and more in our generations, parents are looking for different types because we all went through the traditional method of education and we all experience these flaws and, and these challenges. And most people did very well, but it mm. becomes a, a challenge and an obstacle for many people, right? So it's good to explore different methods. So for me personally, when I was looking for different methods of education, I came across the Montessori method and I was uh, so impressed, right? I was just, it made so much sense to me. So today I can, I can uh, share a little bit about what is this uh, Montessori method? What, what does it uh, mean really and why is it different? So first of all, I would like to share a little bit about who Montessori was. I think you can't really understand the method without understanding of course. who was this person, mm-hmm. right? Because a lot of people don't even know what Montessori means, right? Yeah. So Maria Montessori was born in 1870, so long, long time ago, right? And she was the first female, uh, one of the first female doctors in in Italy. Mm. Despised uh, at that time, you can imagine that people were thinking that women's role was more towards education or nursing, or we had a very specific role in society. So she kind of broke that. And she was like, no, she's determined to be a doctor because she was very scientific and she really appreciated the sciences of life and why Mm. things happen and how things happen. So originally she was not interested in education at all. She was running away from it a little Mm. bit, which I found very ironic (laughs) ironic how things uh, end up. Yeah. 
So after she graduated uh, as a doctor, she volunteered at an asylum and she was very interested in uh, psychology and psychiatry and how does the mind work. Mm. So she worked in an asylum with some children and she was really amazed and developed a lot of work in how by not giving children the right stimulus and sensorial exploration and if you don't engage the mind and the body, how that deteriorates the your life, right, and your your development. So, which people found very interesting. So she developed through that work. She developed some materials to support these children and to help these children. And everybody was very impressed at the time. She did a lot of congress and talks about her her findings so much that after a few years of doing that work, the government gave her some an area that they were developing with children that had no school, parents were working and they were very poor. So they said, well, we have this space. Would you like to uh, experiment your, your findings and try to see what, what's going to happen here? So in 6th of January, uh, 1907, she opened the first uh, children's house, mm. Casa del Bambini. And at that point, she didn't really have a method yet. She had she studied lots of uh, things from the work of uh, Seguin and Itard. Uh, so she was really trying to find a scientific pedagogy. So it wasn't just creating a method, which is different from other methods. So normally when someone creates a method, they create the theory and then they apply it and mm. see how that works. And Montessori method is different because she developed uh, research. She did the work, but she experimented and tried through observation with how children worked with it. She started developing her method. So that's it's a, the it's major. a really good point because, you know, the, you know, she doesn't um, it was never supposed to be called the Montessori method. Mm. It was supposed to be called the child's method or. Yeah, it I actually was, found the name somewhere. It, it was, it was a, in one of her books. She she mentioned that yeah. she's like, you know, it's the it's it's the scientific pedagogy of children's uh, learning. It was like a very long, it was mm. like super long. And the mm. publisher said, no, don't call it that. That's not going to sell. <laughs> <laughs> call it the Montessori method. And she agreed with it, but it was not never her intention. Her intention was to to share the findings mm. on how the human development, uh, mm. you know, can can be stimulated and can progress and can work with. And you itself. you mentioned a really good point, and I think that's what that's the beauty about the Montessori approach is observation is such a big part of what we do inside the classroom. And the fact that the method came about through observation is so powerful because mm -hmm. now, only now, science is proving, backing up her mm -hmm. observations that she made more than 100 years ago. And, you know, just looking at the first six years of life and the, how creative these six years are, is it's magical, you know, mm -hmm. and only when you understand and you share that knowledge of like what happens to the brain development yes. for those early six yeah. years do you realize that how powerful the child is that yeah. and when you understand that you understand your and and that's not to diminish the role of parents right because yes. usually it was it was you know the, the belief was that the mother builds the child mm. but really it's the child who builds the child and uh, if you, you know, if you, simplest example, you take a, an Indian child uh, in the care of an American family. It's the child that's taken on that language because mm. he's in that environment of, you know, English spoken language. And 
when you understand that, you understand your role as an adult, as a collaborator in the mm. building process, as opposed to as a, you're molding the child into something. Yes. And it's interesting you saying uh, that about how, how people are finding this out now, because all her work, this is why I thought it was important to also mention the roots mm. of where it all started, because her, her main focus was the connection between the mind and the body, right? Mm. This, if you provide enough an environment, an adult who can support that, then then that connection exists, that connection is strengthened. And all the education we do in the classroom in uh, any of the, the planes of development is to strengthen that connection and to, to support each person's full potential, right? So mm. if you don't provide the environment, if you don't understand how it works, then, then things will crumble <laughs> well you brought us on to our next question yes. planes of development or you, you know you could say periods of growth because i don't think a lot of people understand what planes of development means but that's another way of answering what, what why is montessori different is because she looked at how humans naturally develop and she divided it into the four stages well actually it continues forever but for today's purposes we, we <laughs> shall only cover the first one <laughs> but yeah. yeah i'll give it over to you yeah so there's been a lot of theory about uh, human development there's a lot of different psychologists and and different ways of i think is a natural you know curiosity you know how do we all learn how does the brain work right as many people have tried to to create answers for that and montessori through her work and through her observations of the children she started developing her own uh, development human development and she created the, what we call and he studied the planes of development. So they are the, they are, um, she identifies four, so the zero to six, which she says zero to six is the most important mm. in comparison to others. Mm. Because if you see, and I, lo I love how she, her books are amazing and all her findings are amazing. How she, how she writes, written, yeah. right, is just so poetic. So, uh, so real. Like you read and you're like, yeah, that it makes hits, sense. It resonates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so when powerful. she says, look at a baby who is born like a one week old, right? Mm. And look at a six year old. It's a huge difference. Like it's like it's a whole physical difference. and psychological, physical, psychological, emotionally. You know, like there's so much growth happening on those first six years, and the mind is working in a very different way because absorbing is is trying to adapt. You know, is is our human uh, tendencies to to belong to 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 exist, right, and to survive. <laughs> yeah, and the the mind is working in a way that's very different to the adult. You know, mm. like when we want to learn something new, we make that conscious decision. Mm. Whereas the child, especially in the first six years, it's unconscious. And you would say that, oh, you know, the child is unconscious, so they're inferior. But actually, it's so much more intelligent because mm. you, Cause all like those you connections said, the are starting, Exactly, right? it's at a yeah. rapid pace so if you feed those connections and if you give the right uh, the right environment and the, the right way like you can grow so much right and and i think as a as a teacher for all the years i i was working in the classroom it's really and that's why i personally really like <laughs> three to six <laughs> <laughs> is that each how each person makes those connections and the discoveries by themselves yeah is unique to each person. So as a teacher, I always learn from each student I had. You know, for us, for example, I say, okay, the cup stays here. It makes sense to me. But a child would be like, you know, they, they see the cup. They, they try to find out what is it, how, like, 
the way that they see something that you see can be very different. And experiencing that and observing that is, uh, is very special. Mm. Uh, so, yes, well. <laughs> there we go. Off topic. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so she says zero to six. Uh, she divided in two different environments as well because it's it happened so much that she thought, okay, zero to three, some things happen. At three years old, the child becomes more independent and needs a little bit more social uh, interactions and things like that. And then six to 12, she divides this a second plane which is a whole new world in itself. Yeah. Uh, 12 to 18, which is then the teenagers. And, uh, you know, same thing. If you see a 12-year-old and you see an 18-year-old, very different, right? Yeah. And then 18 to 24, which you also need uh, a different environment. And different. Yeah, I think that's also another thing about Montessori is that because she recognized that there are different stages of development and at each stage you have different needs, so then the environment needs to be different. Yes. So it's constantly working with you, not against you. Exactly. I think that's the one of the main differences of this method is that in whatever stage of education that you are, we it will provide a different adult, so different teacher, different role, mm. and a different environment mm. to match the needs or where you are at at that mm. point in your life. Mm. So, you know, an eight-year-old, doesn't need a three to six teacher, right? Because the adult needs to be prepared to understand what's happening in the mind of mm. that eight-year-old. How can we provide? How can we satisfy it? How can we challenge it? How can we help them grow even more, right? Yes. So in each plane of development, we have a different classroom, yes. a different teacher, different materials as well, yeah. and different activities. So on that note, could you, you know, it's very difficult to explain to someone what a children's house is. So the children's house is the environment that we provide for the three to six year old. So you have to witness it for yourself, no yes. matter how much we talk about it. I think it's, it's so uh, beyond your imagination. Mm -hmm. So yeah, can you talk about the mind of the three to six year old and how we support that development yes. inside the classroom? Whether it's the, the adult or the activities or the curriculum or the, you know, the, the work cycle, how the day looks like. Sure. I'll try my Basically best. Basically <laughs> one of your mini workshops. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, well, you know, I think the children's house, there's, uh, you know, I've been doing it for 12 years and I, there's still so much still to discover. So it's a topic we could speak for hours yeah. on end, right? <laughs> but I'll try to give a little a glimpse or try to explain a little bit uh, of what it is. So like we mentioned, it's, um, it's an environment for this age group. Yeah. The teachers are trained to understand their, their needs uh, of, of these children. But when you look at it first, I think, what you can see straight away is that uh, he has child's furniture. It's a children's house because everything is ready for the child to become independent. So they don't need uh, an adult to reach things. Physical and I think also like, yes. um, psychological independence. Right, yes. I think we focus on three different areas. Uh, like you said in the beginning, you know, Montessori method is it's a holistic approach mm. right so we don't really focus only on academics they are very important to us because we know that the child is absorbing so mm. we want to give them as much as possible but we also provide independence so intellectual independence in their academic but independence with their 
physical because at this age children want to be able to do things for themselves so we provide this a lot of activities that support that what do you what do you mean when you say you provide intellectual independence like how is that manifested in the classroom uh by for example developing uh the child's will the power of will so the power of will it's a very interesting concept but this just means that we provide our environment provides a way to empower the child to make choices mm-hmm. and to be able to make those decisions right so even to the curriculum in the classroom is laid out it start, it has everything for a two and a half year old three year old all the way to a six years old like everything that we have it's is accessible. Ex- it's accessible so from the beginning they can see oh I'm I'm here and I can do this after and then that and then that and they can see the it's progress arranged from because it's classified and yeah. arranged in order to to do that. So in comparison to a traditional school, we don't decide. Oh, um, the curriculum says you need to be 3.2 to be able to um, do this activity. To do this activity, so we wait until you're 3.2 to do that. No, we give it the activity when the child is ready mm. for. And ready means they have the physical ability, the intellectual ability, and they're interested in it. So once that's given, the child can choose to do it. They can choose to do it for as long as they want. They can repeat uh, and master that activity as many times as they would like. And it's just available. So you can start making those decisions and making taking those choices. And by doing that, you're developing your self-control and your intellectual academic path and, and knowing, evaluating yourself too, right? Because when you do something and you're like, oh, actually, that was hard, mm. right? And uh, that's actually, that's uh, you, you just reminded me that was one of the things that really resonated with me when I, when I walked into my first classroom was, you know, the children were choosing for themselves and it was so powerful to see that they, um, it was a reminder that they're guided, mm. you know, it's like they have that like something inside of them that say I'm attracted to language, I need more language mm. today or yeah. I'm attracted to counting, yeah. I'm attracted to whatever, fine motor skills. So they really know what they need at that moment in time yeah. and the environment, the way that it's prepared allows for that yeah. to unfold. And, you know, but to also think like some children don't have that uh, in them yet like the development of the will is not something some people have are more prone to to make those choices and to be more self-guided and others need help that's why the, the teacher yeah. the teacher is there because not not all the children come and like are attracted or are linked with the environment mm-hmm. they don't really want to do anything for example right so how do we deal with that so then the teacher keeps engaging them and connecting them to the activities and give them a wide range. And from building that self-confidence and building this, oh, I can do this and I can do that. And I'm actually quite enjoyed in doing this. So by giving them many different skills and a variety of, of things, then they start choosing. They're like, oh, I did that cutting yesterday. I like that. I'm going to do it again. That's a choice, right? Mm-hmm. You're making that actively choice. So then you start little by little building that ability Mm. and self-direct but it's a it's a very hard work (laughs) but it's amazing can you imagine if you can um but if you instill instill that from a very young age it really seeps into yeah because then you have adults who can decide and can uh self-criticize and and can understand oh actually can manage their time can manage the tasks right and and have a passion for what they do. I think one of the the things we offer in the children's house is also this 
uh, love for learning and this it really nurtures it really nurtures it so because um, everything is so beautiful yes even if something is uh, difficult we break it down in steps so they can achieve a part mm. of it right and they can build their confidence and then the next day we increase the challenge a little bit more and make it interesting but achievable yeah and it's um I, I think the, the fear element is completely removed yes. of making mistakes because not only are most materials self-correcting, mm. but, you know, in a in a children's house, you'll see that everything is real. Everything is fragile. And it's um, it's done on purpose so that it's the material as opposed to the adult that's yes. telling the child, okay, I need to be more careful in my movements. You know, mm. if I make if I'm moving a chair and I or a table and I bump it, it's going to make a really loud sound. Yeah or if I'm pouring something from one glass to another and then the glass breaks, it's the material as opposed to the teacher that's yes. um, correcting the child. And that's that also links very much to the confidence because yes. it's not someone coming and telling you, oh, you did a mistake. And then you're, you'll be scared the next day to, yes. to go and do You it. won't take it again, right? You if, won't take if, it again. But if you, if you see, oh, it broke, I'm, I might try to do it in a different way. Or the teacher even shows you, like, oh, you remember, can I show you this movement? Can I do it that way? Mm. And that really uh, helps and supports them through that. But I think even with maths, or I've noticed uh, reading, for example, in our, the contrast between our method and others. You know, reading, for some children, it's so easy. Like, you know, it, it just blends and connects. But for some other children, it takes time. And it's something you need to practice. And I've noticed the more pressure like parents that do or even as teachers are like, no, you know, he's, uh, he needs to read because it's time, right? Then become afraid of it and they, they have this negative in, uh, intimation with it. And I think, <laughs> you just reminded me when I was in class and <laughs> yeah. they tell you it's your turn to read and then you start calculating yeah. which part you're going to read <laughs> so you don't mess yeah. it up. And you become scared. And I think, yeah. you know, the, the, the way that we give it is that then really becomes enjoyable. It's yeah. like, it's okay. Take your time. Let's try again. You know, like what about this word? What about that? Let's, and you try to find ways to to support the child with it. But what I found is, if you don't put pressure in your life, like we will end up reading, right? Like it's just if you know the simple, like you, anyone will read. Yeah. But the difference with our method is that it gives this love for reading. You want people to have this confidence, this this care, this love and, and to enjoy it so much that you can understand the difference between poetry and, and the difference between different authors and what does he mean when he says this and what does that mean like, to, to make, yeah, to really appreciate, to really appreciate it and love it. And the same thing with maths and so many people, a lot of parents I am. I fell like, in love with maths. Yeah, me too. Sweet. You know, I, I almost cried the first time I did division. <laughs> Uh, and my training center because for me math you know division for me was seeing the teacher with the blackboard and making all those symbols and I never understood it I memorized it but I never really understood it and I was really bad at it Same. and then when when I did the training and through collective exercise which is an activity we have I was like well dividing is only sharing equally I was like what <laughs> like what my <laughs> Only it's only this. I only have a number, and I have to divide it equally by, by by that, what? That's, it's because we had a very concrete experience, yes. of it. and the way that we were taught it was very theoretical, yeah, very abstract. But now, when I teach, or when you know, when the teachers in the children's house teach maths, they teach with this discovery, this love, this mm. care, right? This is amazing, right? Because we are like so fascinated about it too. Mm. We transmit that. So all the children I had uh, in maths, like, they always excelled and they loved it. So this love of learning, I think, is very 
very different mm-hmm. and very important in the children's health. Yeah. And if you have that from three to six, you have this not being afraid to make mistakes, you know, have this self-direction and then this, uh, your strength and your willpower, mm-hmm. um, also self-discipline, you know, trying to control your own movements and control how you react and how you are with others. Um, before you're six, can you imagine like how much, uh, how the potential of well, actually, each the, person the, can be? You know, this is another thing we, that we completely missed is the mixed age. Yes. We take it for granted, but like people are really surprised that in one classroom you'd have three, four, five, six-year-olds. Yeah. How does that affect their development? So I think, yeah, that's another very uh, unique characteristic of the children's house is that they are all in the same classroom. And, you know, a lot of people are very worried about it sometimes, right? It's like, but why don't you have them all in one segregated place? Very simple answer is that if when you go to a workspace, you don't work only with your age group, right? In life, you don't do that anywhere right you don't go to a coffee and you only have your age unnatural to segregate by age and even within the same age group even with the same year right you are so different Mm. people have so many different needs like a person who was born in august doesn't learn at the same pace as another person that was born in in december or in january like Mm. so why limit it to that why not give a place where you can learn with others Mm. right and Mm. you have a place so what i found is that as a three to six classroom, two and a half, three to six, it's so empowering. Because when they start, they are very little. They can only like hardly put their shoes on. And, uh, you know, this making these choices and finding out about the environment is like very unique. So you don't really know testing the first time you are with other adults beside your parents, probably. Yeah. So it's very new and very is a, is a lot, right, to mm. take in and to learn. But when you have someone older, a four-year-old, a five-year-old, a six-year-old who's functioning in the classroom and can do the things you want to do, you can start learning from them. So it's not the learning doesn't only come from the adults mm. teaching you things. You like we said, they absorb, right? Mm. They learn from from looking at others and the the environment that they are at. So if they see a five-year-old sitting down reading. They say, oh, okay, that's the next step. I can I can do that eventually. Or how do they sit or how do they put their shoes? So they, they absorb and learn from their peers mm-hmm. or from the other the other children. Then a four-year-old also, you know, after a year or two of being in the classroom, they're not that young child anymore, right? So they have a different place. They're not the oldest either. So they have, they're somewhere in between with their own personal development and their own pace, but they still look up to the older ones as examples and they help the young ones. So they still have that, like being a middle child, <laughs> maybe possibly, mm. right? And we call them the little policemen, right? Because <laughs> they come and they tell everybody what they should be doing. Um, and then we have the five and six years old who are at the, the end of the program and they are confident, they're in charge of their own learning. They Normally they come and tell us what they want to explore, they their questions and their interests and they are the role models they hold I call them the little teachers too because they they provide that support for for teachers by being the role model by showing others how mm-hmm. how to be in the classroom how to challenge themselves academically but how to be independent and also another area we didn't talk about is the um, emotional independence mm-hmm. that we provide in our schools which is the um, this ability to self-regulate, to to learn how to identify your own feelings, right? If I'm feeling a bit sad today, so how can I deal with that? 
how do I express that? A lot of the games we do in social, social games is how to deal with frustration and how to take turns and how to express yourself in order to function, right? In the community, you need to be able to do that. It is literally a mini community that yes. mirrors the wider society. Yeah. So, you know, Montsori said in the three to six classroom, you need to give them the world. Mm. You know, you need to provide everything that you can about the world around you. And that includes community. That includes uh, how to live with others. Mm. Yeah. And I, I, I think like going back to where we started is the, you know, now we can... We don't need to memorize anymore because we have access, you know, you ask Alexa and she gives you, <laughs> gives you the answer. And more and more, we need children that can think creatively, that are not afraid to make mistakes, that, that can be flexible, that can adapt. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the children's house especially is the best place to do this because like you said, the opportunities that are offered to navigate social conflict or to be in the presence of mixed ages and learn from one another or, you know, the freedom of choice to choose what you want to take out and putting it back and the respect that you have for that other person's work. These things you don't really see in, in schools. Yeah. Also the concentration, right? I forgot to mention the concentration because mm. I find that the funny thing is this In normal schools, you are meant to sit and concentrate, right? But all of these things we talk about, they, they provide. The concentration comes from within by practicing, by trying, by, by being interested. Yeah. Movement is not a break from learning. It's, yeah. a, it's a core part, right? Yeah. So to finish it, I would like to tell you a little uh, quote I found about... Yes, um, please share with us. Yes, it's about the Montessori method. Well, she said in 1914, she said, I did not invent a method of education. I simply gave some children a chance to live. And mm. I think that summarizes what... life. Yes. Why, why we do this. Well, that's beautiful. I highly recommend attending Mafalda's workshop. She's <laughs> coming up on Monday. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, check so, on the website. Yeah. <laughs> we will have some. <laughs> so that's a wrap for today's episode. Join us next time as we continue unraveling the secrets of childhood. But until then, stay exploring. Bye. Thank you. Bye.